Welcome to PwC's Tax Reform Readiness Podcast Series. In this podcast, PwC Transfer Pricing Partners Paige Hill and David Ernick discuss the changes to the definitions of intangibles under Sections 367 and 482 and what it means from a controversy perspective considering the different standards in play globally. Have a listen. So we've heard a lot about the international provisions of the new tax reform laws. One thing people have not spent a lot of time on are the changes to the definitions of intangibles under 367 and the changes to the 482 law. David, can you take us through what those changes are? Sure, Paige. So we've got a couple of revisions here as part of tax reform, one of which I think is not an actual change. One is, let me start with aggregation and realistic alternatives. So those have been in the 482 regulations going back to 1994. The aggregation rule basically says that you can look at the combined effect of two or more transactions, look at them as a whole if they're interrelated such that the consideration of them on an aggregate basis is the most reliable means of determining the arm's length price for a related party transaction. With respect to realistic alternatives, the regulations say IRS will generally look at the results of the transaction you actually entered into, assuming it's got economic substance, but they can look at the realistic alternatives to that transaction in determining whether or not you've got the pricing right. And of course, we had 2015 temporary regulations expanding on the aggregation principle. But now as part of tax reform, Congress codified both of those principles from the 482 regulations into Section 482. So we kind of had it easy for a lot of years. We only had two sentences to Section 482. Now we've got three, increased by 50%. So thank you very much, Congress. But I, I don't know that that's an actual change, Paige, because that's just the, the regulatory principles had never been invalidated. I don't know that codifying it into the statute actually makes it any stronger or means that you would apply those principles any differently. They've still got to be the most reliable means of determining the arm's length price, which you've still got to run through, and that's a that's part of the functional and factual analysis. That's a factual question. So I, I don't know that that's an actual change, although the IRS may disagree with me. What is an actual change is we've had some controversy for several years now about what's included within the definition of intangible property, questions about whether or not goodwill, going concern, value, workforce, and place are included within the definition. Congress has forestalled any argument about that by providing that those are included in the definition of intangible property. They've expanded the definition of intangible property. Tax reform made that change to Section 936, where intangibles were formally defined. Just to point out that as part of the omnibus bill back in March, Congress got a, did away with Section 936, removed that as being a deadwood provision moved that expanded definition of intangible property to Section 367. So that page obviously is an actual change to the transfer pricing rules and expansion of the definition of intangible property. You know, that change may be different from how foreign tax authorities look and define intangibles and goodwill. And when we're doing, you know, cross-border valuations and, and looking at uh, planning and structuring, that require valuations, and we may have very different standards in play. And, and where do we think that'll play out from a controversy perspective? 
Well, I think when I look at the expansion of the definition of intangible property page, along with the removal in Section 367 of the active trade or business exception, I see that as Congress saying, well, we don't want to have these arguments anymore about there, that there's any sort of property that can be outbounded without some form of compensation obligation. So all those disputes that we've had in the past, I think, now go away. There's no longer any argument there. Um, and of course, for transfer pricing purposes, um, generally we don't care about characterization, right? We don't really care so much what you call an asset or a transaction. All we care about is amount. That's not exactly true, though, for intangible property, because now if we've got something within the definition of intangible property, that's subject to CWI, our commensurate with income rule. So broadened category of trans related party transactions that will potentially be subject to the CWI rules. And then as you said, Paige, when we're doing the valuation of these transactions, if we've got a disagreement between how the US and foreign tax authority looks at well, what sort of property needs to be compensated for, that can affect the, the ultimate valuation we get to as well. Makes a lot of sense. I think uh, a lot of things to consider as people look at where to locate their IP and, and how to align with their future operating models. Agreed. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like more information about this topic, please email the participants. Their email addresses can be found in the description of this episode. Thank you.